All right, here we go. Yo, what up? Welcome to Free Refills Podcast, where we come together as youth leaders to discuss the realities of leading in youth ministry. Our hope is that you leave refilled, refueled, and re-energized to carry on in ministry. I'm your host, Boss, coming to you from Indianapolis, and I'm joined by my co-host, Dusty. What up? Coming to you from Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I'm also joined by Nick. How's it going? Coming in from Sparks, Nevada. How's that, Nick? You're learning. It's Perfect. Just, I've worked on we're it. We're getting there. Got it. Each episode, we have a guest in our conversation. And this this episode, we have Reverend Jonathan Queen. Reverend, thank you for being here. Welcome. Hey, I'm honored to be with y'all. Thank y'all for having me. Hey, before we jump in, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you located? Uh, tell us about your family and how long you've been in ministry. Okay, so I am coming to y'all from the Maryland uh, portion of the DMV. Um, that's the abbreviation for the DC, Maryland, Virginia uh, metropolitan area, I guess. I live in Upper Marlboro, Maryland, and um, I serve at the First Baptist Church of Glenarden, where I'm the youth pastor and associate pastor there. I am the husband of one wife, the father of six adult children, and uh, also six grandchildren. So wow. I am the OG of youth ministry. Yes. Um, although I've only been in uh, ministry for about 11 years now. So um, I'll expand a little bit on that uh, a little bit as we talk. But, um, you know, as I said, husband, father, man of God, servant who leads, leader who serves, um, you know, mentor. Uh, you know, I'm just a humble vehicle pot of clay broken vessel um and grateful that god continues to use oh man we're grateful that we're we are honored to have the og sitting with us so (laughs) this is great and that is uh, a lot of why we ask you to come sit with us and, and share your your wisdom your knowledge your life experience and your perspective so we're grateful uh dusty and nick are gonna jump in with a couple questions to uh get to know you a little bit but yeah, before I get to that, I'll just say if if you're listening, you every all of our answers need to be the pat like the back end of his answer. If we could just like if that's my next tattoo or something, I don't know. <clears throat> but it's like all of us need to have that that like imprinted on our minds and be able to respond the same way and live that mm-hmm. out. So I appreciate that, man. Uh, also, you say grandchildren. I'm looking at you right now and I'm thinking like you might, I, you're not somebody I want to like square up with on the football field <laughs> right now. So it's like, you know, I'm like, see, you said grandchildren. I was like, yeah, so, yeah. man. So, all right. Uh, to, so, so we ask as free refills, we ask the same kind of question, you know, uh, what's your favorite drink choice? Maybe like you have like, you gotta have it, you know, it's just like good day, bad day. What's your like, Go to drink. Wow, um, drink choice. Now, uh, I mean, I'm a coffee guy, um, but um, you know, I also dabble a little bit in the Mountain Dew if I need to stay up a little bit while I'm driving. Um, don't drink soda that much uh, like I used to, but yeah, I'm I'm a coffee and a tea guy. My wife, you know, she specializes. I mean, right now I can go into my kitchen and probably pull out a hundred different versions of teas. Like she just wow. had specialized teas for everything. Wow. I, wow. I drink a lot of tea as well. Um, wow. Yeah. I, I tell people all the time back when I was teaching, um, if it was, if I was having a bad day, everybody knew they could bring me the dark stuff, which meant they could bring me a Dr. Pepper or a Coke. Mm-hmm. And if I was drinking at something that was dark, like a, like one of those, they were like, they knew like, 
spend a day. Yeah. Uh, most of the time it was just water. So uh, I'll let, I'll let uh, Nick take the next one. Yeah, so I'm going to switch it up a little bit from just what are you reading, which we normally ask, but I'm going to go a little more specific. Uh, what is a non-theological book you're reading or a non-fiction book that you're reading, if you are? Theological, non-fiction. Okay, so one, um, I am a, an author as well. I didn't include that in my introduction. Um, I've written six books, but I'm currently working on my dissertation um, for my doctor of ministry, which doesn't allow me a lot of time to read anything outside of what I'm supposed yeah. to be reading in regards right? to my research. Yeah. Um, so I've been reading a lot of uh, Michelle Alexander's The New Jim Crow, um, you yeah. know, but from a, a nonfiction, I'm going to be honest with you, when I need to like unwind, I'm, I'm on Netflix. I'm watching, you All know, right. some shows on there, uh, you know, so I, I can't really say I've been reading anything from a nonfiction you know, creative type. Um, I'm about to do a series on um, OnlyFans. <laughs> I don't know if y'all are familiar yeah. with that trend mm -hmm. that's out. So when we start our, our next se our September series next week, um, I'm doing a, a series called OnlyFans, but the fans is crossed out and it says followers after that. So I've been mm -hmm. reading um, Kyle's Not a Fan book just to kind of refresh on some of the things I want yeah. to include into the, into the series. But... Yeah. That's good. I might, uh, I might ask you for the notes and then steal that one. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, all right. So you kind of talked about, this is our last question. Kind of talked about like when you just need to kind of like chill, um, uh, what about, what would you say other than Netflix maybe recharges your batteries? Oh, that's easy. I mean, for me, it's, it's working out. Um, walking, I'm blessed to have a, a park that's very close to my house. And depending on what time of the day, I could have the whole park to myself. I go, I run the track, I do my dips and, and push-ups and pull-ups on the, you know, the different equipment there. Um, you know, so for me, any time that I can work out, um, you know, have a little bit of a gym in the, in the basement where I can recharge. But that, that's my that's my go-to. If I'm going through it, I'll put some, some music on, put my earpods in and, and just work out. And that keeps me good. There you go. That's so why you yeah. don't want to try me on the football field. hundred percent. I feel good. Don't, don't let that. You know. I just got done with CrossFit and I was telling them like trying to pick up my arms right now, like just to do anything is not, not easy. Yeah, it's rough. That soreness is a good thing though. I love it. <laughs> Amen. That's perfect. Uh, well, we could kick it and we could do this uh, and talk about life and stuff like that for a while, um, which is what we love. Um, but we also want to talk, we want to take a deep dive into our conversation today, which um, is not necessarily, I mean, none of what we talk about is really lighthearted. It's all, it's all deep. It's all, um, it's thick stuff. And what we're talking about this month is secondary discipleship. What we mean by that is students equipping students so that they're equipping students so that they're impacting their community so that we the youth leaders aren't a point person aren't the ones doing it anymore um that is something i think all of us we we have church mission statements that way we have youth group mission statements that way uh we we aim for that um but i think a lot of times we miss it and um Maybe even some of the stuff that's happening today all across the world is because we've missed it. And so we wanted to talk with you about this, uh, Jonathan, because we've, 
last month we talked about uh, reimagining momentum. And now with COVID, that has really exposed a lot of things, a lot of holes um, for us in the church, for the way we do ministry, the way we do youth ministry. And this seemed like a, this fit right into the next topic of they could build on. So um, your name had been mentioned and we were like, man, he's been doing it. We wanted to talk to you about what that meant. So when you think, when you hear secondary discipleship, what does that look like? What is that? What do you think of when you hear that? Maybe that'll kick us off. And then we've got some other questions to get us rolling, but take it from there. Um, well, yeah. So for me, I mean, I would, I would probably say it and I'll say it as humble as I can. Um, that's pretty much my signature. When people think about uh, my contributions to youth ministry and, and pretty much um, what I represent, um, it has probably been the empowerment of youth to become leaders um, right away. Like mm -hmm. anytime I'm doing a training, um, I get to do trainings for, you know, youth leaders across the country and even in other countries. Um, I always put that as foundation. Like that's, that's step number zero. It's, yeah. uh, it's right after you pray and ask God to guide you. But if you're working in youth ministry, the very next step is finding young people that you can empower to mm -hmm. lead alongside of you. Um, so even though, and I love what y'all are doing and how y'all said it, but I would take e issue even with the name of secondary discipleship. Like I wouldn't yeah. even give it that type of title because then it almost instills that um, it's not foundational discipleship. Mm -hmm. For me, when I tell young people, I give them the the authority right away to recognize that even though you're going to hear people say, oh, you're great, you're the future, you know, I try to instill in them that, no, it's now, you know. Love it. All's not promised, and you have the ability to lead right now. Mm -hmm. And I get to serve under one of the, the greatest pastors ever um, who has given me the autonomy, Pastor John K. Jenkins Sr., mm -hmm. who is uh, phenomenal in the kingdom, but he has given me an autonomy. And then I also have um, mentors and guides that have served in youth ministry. And one of them, Reverend William S. Berkeley Jr., taught me from the beginning. He said, youth ministry begins when youth minister to other youth. Um, so that locked in. I was like, okay, so in order for this thing to be right, for it to look right, for it to really please God, then we have to give young people the opportunity to to do what it is that we're telling them they can do and not just wait for it. Mm, I love that. I love that. You know, earlier in the, in the summer, uh, I sat with some leaders and had kind of had heard this and maybe started running with this idea of, you know, we talk about empowering students. Well, what if it was the transfer of power of students to where I'm communicating to you, like, no, you have it. You have it. Like, Jesus did this. He told the disciples, he said, you, you have it, go for it. You go do it. That it's not my power to give to you, but I just want to tell you about it and empower, you know, empower, but transfer that power to you. So you're not just keep coming back to me, but you're running with it. That's mm -hmm. solid. I love that. Yeah. You know, and, uh, I think I think something you said like I wouldn't even give it that title because the mm -hmm. moment we do we kind we once we give it something a title we can say well that's not really that doesn't fit us mm -hmm. right <laughs> like well that's not us like and I think that we are very very dang like can be a very very dangerous thing um, because it it needs it is us it's all of us like right this yeah. is what we should be doing is discipleship we were kind of talking pre talk about like you know who does discipleship well <laughs> uh, some other different religions they do it really well. Mm -hmm. um, and, but you know, what, when you say 
I, you obviously seem pretty passionate about this. So I'm about to ask you this. And I think it's from my set of fuse. And so I, I let it go. If it comes, what's the mindset shift, the paradigm shift that you would say that maybe you've seen. And when you talk to other pastors about your passion for this, right? What's the mindset shift for maybe like a, just a youth pastor who would stumble across this, that'd be like, Hey, you know what? Like, I really want to be better at discipleship but like what's the mindset shift to empower them to do that? Um, you have to show them, you have to um, kind of model it for them. Um, I think for young people, young people are um, automatically inclined to desire community, but they want it on their own term. And one of the things, and this is where the, the, the full circle of ministry life kicks in because um, as boss mentioned earlier, um, you know, I'm a part of the, the, the youth minister's executive council and me being able to be a part of that allowed me to be in the room, um, in the room where it happened. That's my Hamilton reference. <laughs> there it is. Um, I'm just saying I'm, I'm die hard, but, uh, having to be in the room where it happened, where we were learning about generation Z and this whole conference where we got to hear from Jonathan, uh, was it Morrow, John, the guy who wrote this amazing, mm. um, information on how to to recognize what Generation Z uh, brings to the table. And when I started learning, okay, these are our digital natives. These are the ones who, and lo and behold, we hit this COVID-19 and I've been already um, including what I've learned at that um, conference with all of my leaders and my young people, which means I have already taken youth and put them in positions where they're a part of every decision-making um, aspect of our ministries. Um, so naturally, when you have young people in leadership positions and they have to communicate with other young people, then it's automatic that the discipleship piece comes with it because we're not just getting together to plan out ministry. We're getting together and having fun. We're playing games. We're eating together. We're doing the things that automatically make discipleship authentic and organic. Mm -hmm. And therefore, when my adult leaders see the young people modeling <laughs> what it is that we've been calling them to. And then the beautiful part is our church, um, our mission statement of our church is developing dynamic disciples. Mm -hmm. So when I say we're going to model exactly what the adult part of our church does, we're just going to do it in youth ministry. And yeah. that kind of got me buy-in across the board because now um, my adults, you know, here's the thing that happens. Young people will leave the church if, they're not included as children. The reason why they become college students and roll out and say, I'm done, is because you never incorporated them in church while they were young. Mm -hmm. Now, I face the dilemma of giving them this amazing experience as youth where they're in positions of leadership. And then when they get to become young adults, they come to the table like, look, we've been doing this for years. What, what y'all got for us? Uh, mm -hmm. what, you, you know, what, what can we do? How can I serve? That's what I teach them to say. Just come to the table and say, how can I serve? And that's where it becomes um, ideal for people to see, hey, these young people learn something and they're doing something um, that, that we can not only celebrate, but also look to as inspiration. That's good. So that, this isn't a fast thing. This isn't something like you, you know, pick it off the shelf and go like, okay, we can apply this right now and we can see the fruit of it right now. I mean, when you think of this, when you think maybe there's a story that's running in your mind or several where you're going, 
I, I'm thinking of this, I'm thinking of this student uh, who is now an adult. Like, can you kind of unpack that a little bit of like time frame stuff? Because I think everybody is wondering, yeah, but how long is that going to take? Like, so, I mean, I'm going to be honest with you, even though what you said is completely accurate. Um, so I had the opportunity to, to be a part of what was called the cadre. And the cadre was a organization of youth pastors from all over the country that got to do um, advances with um, Jeannie Mayo, who is a, a guru at youth ministry decades. And, and one of the things that um, she instilled in us was that um, rules without relationship equal rebellion. So we learned that the first thing we do is create relationship. So even though it doesn't happen overnight, what I can say is that when I first came into um, First Baptist Church at Glen Arden, and not only am I the youth pastor and associate pastor, which means I get to do the funerals and the hospital visits and preside and all of that, but I have five amazing ministries that I'm responsible for. And what I did is I created a youth leadership council. And that's basically just a, a mm. sneaky way of doing discipleship while <laughs> creating leaders as well. Sure. Because I took the top of the the top of the food chain of young people. And that doesn't mean they were the smartest or the best grades or the best behaved. I had two of them that were on probation. Two of them I met through counseling them when they were having bad behaviors. But I put them in a position where they were part of a youth leadership council, which means they work directly with me in regards to certain aspects of ministry. So they're the ones who I'm bringing to the table when it's time to plan services. They're the ones who are giving me ideas. They're keeping me up to date with what's going on. What are the topics young people want to talk about? And then what happened is when the church started saying hey Reverend Queen has young people that are being trained like I was training young people to be altar counselors that means not only are they doing discipleship they are evangelizing as well so you have a young person 13 years old that can lead someone to Christ where you got a whole room for maybe a thousand adults who wouldn't know what to do if someone raised their hand and said I want Jesus so now I got young people being trained to do that and then I really hit them and said hey my young people can actually preside over service so if it's Children and Youth Day, instead of just doing prayer and scripture, how about they lead the whole service? And when that happened, and I went in, I had them memorize the script. So now they're doing better than all the ministers. The ministers are looking at me like this, side-eyed, like <laughs> bring these kids in here to, you know, do outdo us. But what happened is, is that that created a culture. So now four or five years in, the other leadership of the church are looking for young people to help participate in what they're doing. So when you talk about a time frame, for some churches, it's going to be different. Depending on the size of your ministry will be different. But right. um, we learned um, in the cadre that you pick your Paul Revere's. Who are the people that have influence? Get them together in a circle and then tell them you have permission. You have the green light to help bring more people to Christ. And when you get them, we don't just say, hey, get saved and yay we walk with them we lead them we guide them and that's what happened so i have i just i got a, a email from one of my um one of the deacons at the church sent me an email of his daughter who started out with me when she was 12 years old who is now at elon university um in north carolina leading uh she's the communications leader for the black student union and she was leading these um great protests of students who were coming mm -hmm. together to talk about the racial um, unrest and the systemic oppression wow. and things like that. So when you have your students who were, you know, I'm thinking this playful, wanted to do all of the parts for the drama, and now she's yep. leading in her college as a, as a sophomore, you mm. know, so that's the type of stuff that makes the biggest difference for me. Mm. So, so when you have that, how do you, 
how do you celebrate that well? I mean, to me, this kind of hits different as last night I was on TikTok and I'm not, I'm not that guy and I'm just scrolling through. Uh, right. But what, what, what I saw on there, you have those videos of people saying like, Hey, I've got questions for Christians. If you're a Christian mm. do at this and answer these questions. And where I got pumped was not once did I see a pastor, not once mm. did I see somebody older. It was always their peer group. It was their, their, students jumping on saying hey this is my my opinion on this and i was so excited to see that like like you said right like they step in they know they have the, that authority to to speak into that with their life how do we call that out in students better and how do we celebrate that without it being you know that that idea of having the student they're the upper echelon of students no they're just another kid they're another person, they're another follower of Christ, and they have something to speak on too. How do we celebrate it well? Wow. So what we do, and, and again, it's going to be um, context as well, depending on um, your context and where you're coming from. But we, we call it a culture of honor. Um, so what we do is we figure out ways to celebrate almost everything. Like we try to, you know, I, I teach my young people how to catch each other doing good things. We have certain aspects of when we get together where we not only ask for prayer requests, we do praise reports, but we also say, hey, celebrate somebody you caught shining, doing something great that they wouldn't even recognize. We do that at the end of every service when we were in person. And now even while we're um, doing these virtual services, and that's been the blessing too. Like any pastor, who can't admit that they needed some young people to help them out when they had to transition to this format, mm. I, I want to meet them because I give myself a lot of credit for being social media astute and inclined, but I still needed to holler at my young people in regards to, hey, what appeals to y'all? What You know, like even just learning that I, I can't preach the same amount of time in person as I would online. Mm, like, yeah. you know, the young people had to tell me that. It's like, and then, you know, they call me Rev and they like, Rev, listen, them, them 20 minute joints, we can't, it's not going to work. They're going to, they're going to click, they're going to turn the channel. You know what I mean? So we started figuring out ways to be creative with it. And then the other part is you honor them by allowing them to lead more. So my young people get excited because they're like, okay, if I'm doing great at this, that means I get to step up to this. And it's not just within the youth ministry, it's within the church and their community. So if I'm doing something, if I'm called to do a conference where I'm going to speak to a whole bunch of, I know that, yeah, I'm great. I'm going to do well and all of that. But they want to see the young people I'm talking about. Like even now, if y'all tell me if we could have, you know, in a perfect world, I'd have five young people standing right behind me ready to speak and just give y'all the real from their point of view because sure. they do it best. They, they speak it best. So the other part is, is that, Young people get excited about Jesus. If they fell in love with Jesus, all you got to do is tell them like, hey, this is what pleases God. This is what the Bible says. Um, I'm grateful to uh, Nick Hall and the Pulse family. They came up with this year of the Bible, um, um, this thing for the year of the Bible. And we, we latched onto that in the beginning of the year. And my young people ran with it, carrying hard copy Bibles, doing the scripture verses um, in their TikToks and on their, on their social media posts and, and all of that thing. So so yeah, I mean, to answer your question is, it's just be authentic. Young people look at you as an example or an extension of how God feels about them. If they honor you and respect you as a leader and you're catching them doing something good and you're honoring and celebrating them, they will do more of it because they want more of that celebration. I, you kind of just gloss over something that hit me 
huge in there. And for those that might need to hear this, you mentioned that that was the end of every service. And like what, what you talk about at service conveys your value. And if you can celebrate these kind of things in a service time, that moves this from the concept that we talked about before. It's not secondary discipleship. This is discipleship. And we've got to celebrate that. That's yeah. huge. Yeah. Hey, first off, shout out uh, to the cadre. I just went through it this, this year. Um, so got to sit with Jeannie this year. Uh, awesome. I actually, I actually nominated boss. We're, I think boss is going to try to go through next I am. year. I'm going through it. Uh, let's go. And so, uh, yeah, dude, it's, it's a, it's an alumni of its own, man. And so, uh, honored to have that with you as well. Mm. Um, man, I, I think what's really important when I, when I'm hearing this is like your leaders, right? Like your volunteers, your other people, like, I think as a youth pastor, I'm sitting here thinking, okay, cool. I got, I hear students, like, I'm not hearing anything about leaders. So like, do you have adult leaders with you? And then how, and like, what's their role? Like, what, how do you empower them? If you, if you have them, if you don't, I don't know. So I'm asking like, what, how do they play into the situation? Hmm. So, so again, um, I guess, so for us, we take, we take a mission statement. Our mission statement is to, um, to see youth, um, to see youth become unashamed followers of Jesus Christ and empowered to change the world. That's our vision and mission statement. And then we talk about the fact that we do this as a culture of family with an emphasis on the small group culture. Um, so, and of course, Dusty from Cadre, you would know that um, being a ministry with small groups, being a ministry of small groups is two different things. So we are a ministry of small groups. And basically, I do a service every year in the beginning of our return season, which is usually back to school time. And I, I literally do a ordination of all of my volunteer leaders. I basically give them the whole spill of you are not just help or assistance you are shepherds in your own right and that you have the influence and the opportunity to be the answered prayer of a young person coming in this this service so um and then of course our small groups are designed where we do each grade um each gender separated with two to three um small group leaders and they have to be trained they have to buy into the whole vision and one of the things that i learned is that if you can communicate your heart to them if everybody catches the vision and feels their part in it then you will have a ministry that flourishes and and falls in love with seeing young people come to christ and not only you know it's great we celebrate how many people got saved and how many people came to the altar and who you know all of that's great, but we, when we start looking at how many of our young people are now serving in leadership positions, um, that's one of the biggest things. So right now, I, I, last night I had to do a Zoom call for something that the church is putting together, and they asked me to be a part of the call, but they had already selected two of my youth leaders to be on the call as well. And that shows me that even without me saying, hey, y'all need some young people, they've now bought into the fact that you know, boom. So my my adult leaders look at that as something to celebrate as well because they get to claim we're we're family. So you know we have tribes and they 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 get competitive and they'll say, well that young person's from Fearless Tribe. Well that that person's from you know the four one two crew. So you know they do that as well. That helps them helps them latch on to to the whole mission and vision as well. So earlier you said you said the the term dynamic disciples. Is that is that correct? Yeah. Can you? unpack that a little bit when you talk about i mean because i think i've i've never heard the dynamic disciples i've just heard 
disciples? Why add dynamic to it? Um, so the full, the full vision and mission statement of the First Baptist Church of Glen Arden is developing dynamic disciples through discipleship, discipline, and duplication. So, you know, you know, great pastor ran with them Ds. We're going to use all sure, right. um, the good news is that 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 um, that actual vision and mission statement came out of a youth ministry um, developing, like competing to say who can come up with the great vision and mission statement years ago, way before I got here. And that became the vision and mission statement. So dynamic disciples, um, the dynamic part is just you know what the word actually means the descriptive you're not just going to be a disciple you're going to be a dynamic disciple and that is shown by the way that you duplicate and the way that you uh, are disciplined and everything that we do in our church has discipleship at its core mm -hmm. so we have 120 something ministries we have over you know when we were in the building it was 12,000 people every sunday you know mm -hmm. uh, right so even for the young people when they see that what what I did, we went to South Africa and I remember being at um um 3C Church and you know amazing pastors, Pastor Burt Pretorius and Shanae Pretorius, and they have amazing uh youth and young adult ministry. But one of the things they said to me that just kind of pricked my heart, and the pastor said, if your youth ministry is not modeling, duplicating, and echoing what is heard by the senior pastor, then you are in a rebellious state. He ain't say it just like that, but he basically let me know that, you know, I'm like, hold on, when I'm not mm. actually executing what it is that God has given my senior pastor, I am in violation because it's not my house, you know, and he, we can argue kingdom semantics and all of that. But the fact of the matter is, is that I had to reevaluate. So that put me in a perspective where I said, okay, if, if I'm going to teach my young people to be young dynamic disciples, mm -hmm. I have to model what I'm seeing from the pastor and guess what that did that helped me that helped me reestablish the um the structure of our youth ministry because we have a main service on sundays we have a bible study on tuesdays and then we have all of these supporting discipleship classes queen esther for women we have bid uh brothers in discipleship for men we have uh walking sisters with your journey we got all of these different ministries from fitness to to, to finances and all of that and i'm like okay we're going to do the same thing friday night is our main service that's church um people that don't even come to our main church they come to this youth ministry on friday nights tuesday nights is our bible study which supports the friday night we keep all of that connected and then we have our connect groups and the other ministries that i am um, responsible for boy scouts girl scouts star for girls uh gideon's army for boys all of them serve as the discipleship and when i did that we created a collaboration where all of the ministries were supporting each other and feeding into um, that whole family dynamic of what it looks like to develop these young people, not just on a Friday night experience, but into a, a lifestyle of how do I do something every day that contributes to my relationship with God. Mm, that's solid. How, is, how has that been having dynamic disciples and having that mindset and that goal and the vision played itself out now in COVID when we're when we've had to stay at home, we've had to lock down, we've had to, you know, completely reimagine things. How have you seen that within your context play itself out where you're like, they're doing it, they're, it's making it happen. Maybe there's some other things um, that you can mention, like that just new stuff that has come about that you're like, 
this is happening. They're taking off. They're doing it. What What are you witnessing with the team with your students? So, the the young people they kind of um, they already were prepared for this. This is what they do. They know mm -hmm. this online stuff. My goal was simply to get them to um, start developing or, or designating more of the time to what they had agreed to and, and signed up for when they said that they were going to be disciples of Christ, when they mm -hmm. decided they were going to be young followers of Jesus um, and join the church. And that is, we have this model, when souls make disciples. That's what we say all the time. When souls make disciples. So our young people are geared on a mindset of we got to win souls, make disciples. That's in our mm -hmm. chant. That's something that we say um, in the beginning of services. Um, so what we did is we basically just said, okay, let's start allowing um, the re-education part, you know, like of being virtual versus being live. Let that um, happen organically with our young people so that they can kind of show us what it is that um, they appreciate more. So for me, seeing my young people, like we have a 15-year-old who pretty much runs our social media. Nice. creates the graphics, edits the videos, creates the schedule. We have about maybe seven to 10 young people who are part of the social media team. And they have assignments of who posts a scripture on Monday, who does workout Wednesdays, who does throwback Thursday. Like they literally have assignments of when they're expected to do certain things. And then when it comes to, you know, we do some of our services pre-recorded, we'll have, um, you know, on location sites where it's safe and COVID approved and all of that. Um, but also I've got like a little mini studio in my basement where the young people can come get in front of the backdrop and do the hosting, sometimes give the word. Um, our young people do praise and worship. They do videos in the park. And, you know, I got a young 13 year old who's playing the guitar and singing from her bedroom and we record that and they send that in. Um, so, the discipleship part comes in after the low, we might have a 45 minute service and then we go into our breakout rooms and Zoom. And when I tell you that, at first I was like, man, these kids, they be on Zoom all day, YouTube, videos, screen, you know, they're doing this all day. They're not gonna wanna be on Zoom at nine o'clock at night. And I was wrong, I was wrong. They are getting on there. And when I do, you know how Zoom allows you to break out into little rooms and stuff and they get to be in their tribes and you know, I get to pop in and they win points if they're all on camera and they win points if they're playing great games. And yeah. but what has happened right now, we're in our, um, well, we're just coming out of our break month. August is a break month. We shut down everything during August. It's a, mm. it's a church thing. The pastor has designated August as slow down break month. So. That's when that's if we're live, the buildings get cleaned, um, all of the ministries get a break. That's when most people take their vacation and so forth and so on. But even during August, um, our, our groups were sticking together, whether it was connecting on GroupMe, having phone calls, FaceTime calls, and still doing discipleship in a major way. Mm -hmm. And like I said, most of the time it's young people led. I got adult volunteers that serve as chiefs, adult volunteers who kind of guide, but they've been trained and taught that they do what they see me do. Every time they was like, Rev allows these young people to lead in ways that nobody else has seen. Mm. And we're going to do the same thing. And that's what blesses my heart to see that they catch that because it's the same thing I've learned from my pastor, you know, the way he empowers us to lead and doesn't expect you know, doesn't have to micromanage us. And the beautiful part is if you let young people lead in church, they won't leave the church. 
Ooh, I said something there. Y'all got to like put that on the screen or something. <laughs> when y'all let young people lead in church, they won't lead the church as adults. And that's what happens. Like they develop this passion, this desire. And, you know, I love it. I love it. We had a group that went down to D.C. during um, all of the protests. And they did a march when they had, it was a God Wants Justice um, march. Shout out to uh, Asiya Ali and uh you know, the, the, the people that put that together, but our young people are excited to be a part of something that allows them to use their voice. So, yeah, I don't I think know if I, that answered I think, I, yeah, that was great. I, I think I even, the, the, uh, the protest, the demonstration that you just talked about, I think I saw, I saw video and pictures of it and everything that was happening. And I was like, oh, I was like, man, they're doing it. They're going, they're doing it. This is awesome. I love it. I love seeing students taking the lead and just, knowing that the, and having the confidence to step into it and go, we're doing this and then having, but then, but then knowing that you're right with them and you, whether you're physically with them or you're in the mentally with them, wherever spiritually with them and you're going, I'm with you. I got you go for it. That is super encouraging and it's inspiring. It's inspiring to me is where I sit and go, man, see, it can happen. We can do this. Like we can get them, we can, students can lead and this thing can play itself out. Like we have all hoped it would. So that's super cool. So as I've been listening to this, the thing that's blowing me away every single time you speak about your church and where you're at, you have such a deep culture that seems to be going for a long time. The fact that your, your vision statement came from the youth ministry, the fact that you're, you've got people inviting students before they invite you into a conversation like that, that is unbelievable. And to me, in my context, I mean, that's so exciting. How do you, how would you recommend or what advice would you give to someone who's like, I want that culture built in, in my church. And how do I step into beginning that process to get to that end goal down the line? Yeah. So, I mean, again, you know, we have a short time frame, and I would probably kind of need a couple days to give you all of the backstories of how certain things have come to fruition and, and how certain things have been accomplished. But I think the reality is, is that we, we sometimes we get, we get so spiritual that we forget about the Holy Spirit. I don't, I don't know if that makes sense, but like I really I'm thinking about the fact that we will justify not doing things that the Holy Spirit has really already taken control of and can already lead. So a lot of the stuff that I've seen happening is simply based on me being obedient to the Holy Spirit, trusting God. Um, for anybody who's trying to do this, the first thing you have to do again is relationships. Um, one of our models is we don't do religion, we do relationships. And we focus on being a culture of relationships. And our church is known for hospitality. Our church is known for humility. Um, you know, my pastor is one of the top pastors in the world, like not just this country. He's like, he's big. And you'll see him walking at a conference by himself, you know, sitting in the back seat. You know, he, he's that guy that really represents. So that is easy to model when you see it. Um, so for, for people who really want to start changing culture or including some of the stuff that we talk about from a youth perspective, you got to have the relationships that allow you to start bringing these things to the table. I fought for 
a good couple years to get to the point where our church would allow young people to be on that big platform on a Sunday for them to be able to lead in that way. I had to fight for them to be able to preach the message on children and youth Sunday that happens, um, you know, once a year. I had to, you know, I had to rumble, but here's what I did. I started showing them that it could be done within the realm that I had the authority over. So imagine being able to show videos of your young people already doing the stuff that you're asking them to be allowed to do. Um, that was a big part of it. I was able to get, um, young people to to you know really just step out there and start doing the things that i say hey if this goes great we're going to open the doors for others so i now have young adults some who have graduated college who are now teaching in schools locally who get to see the fruit of their labor because they went through you know a lot of the hard parts to now make it so that a young person gets invited to be a part of a planning or a task force or a committee um, that's happening for the entire church. Um, so yeah, the, the relationship piece is big. And also parents, you gotta get your parents on board. I have some of the most amazing parents, like we did a graduation and because of the COVID, we literally set up a backdrop in front of my garage and had, you know, stuff, I had a photographer come, I had, you know, people that just give out gifts and what I heard back from the parents just blew my mind because they now consider us family. You have helped us raise our child. So this graduation is, you know, you get credit for that as well. And I'm like, listen, we're just secondary role models coming alongside of you as partners, but we're grateful to have the influence that we do have on your child. So when you get the connection with the parents as well, um, it creates a whole nother world too, because they'll advocate for you. They, you know, a lot of times, let's be honest, youth ministry doesn't get a lot of respect, a lot of love, a lot of resources, because they're not looked at as being a financial contributor to the right. church. I mean, can I say that? I'm just going to yeah, preach. Yeah, come on, preach. Let's go. So, you know, that's the first budget that's getting cut. That's the mm -hmm. first thing. So, but when you have the parents who are the tithers and who are the influencers still say, hey, no, that's my, listen, my Fridays, that, yeah. My child was doing bad in school, was wild and was hanging with the wrong people. And now they're on Zoom talking about Jesus. They're posting scriptures. They're, you know, those things make a big difference and mm. how people will come alongside and support the vision and the mission that you put in place for the culture that you want to see. Hey, I, you, you asked if you could say that. <laughs> Every single youth pastor that just listened to this and is going, Oh, yes. Amen. They're like, they probably just stood up if they could. They, they probably hit the, if they're listening to this in the car, they probably had to like swerve a little bit. Like they are, they, they, they definitely stand with you for that, for sure. Uh, I'll say this. I dig, I, I got to actually tune into your Instagram live that you did for your graduation. And that was the coolest thing I have ever seen. Um, and I told, I told our youth pastors down here, I was like, man, this dude out here did a graduation. And I mean, just letting you know, like, I appreciate it. Thank you for sharing that. Um, because it, it, it was inspired me, you know, I was like, man, it sparked me. It challenged me. You made me think like, why, why couldn't we, you know, why not us, you know, kind of thing. Uh, why are we not doing this? And so I appreciate that. Thank you for the challenging words. I think it's, you know, I hope that when, you know, people use pastors like me, um, even here in the Bible belt, hear this and go, maybe we, we got to change some things up. I'm, that's, that's why I try to tell all of our youth pastors I sit with, like, just because it's tradition doesn't mean it was right. Like, it's, you know, it's okay to, it's okay to like, you know, sh shake it up a little bit, you know? And I, I know that 
a lot of them, if they said, hey, I'm, can we, you know, I'm a disciple in this kid that's been since he's a freshman. I think he may be ready to like maybe preach or do something on, on the stage. They'd be like, so uh, it's going it, to, I, I hear you. And I, and I want, I hope that if, if someone that I know in the Bible Bell is hearing this, or if you're convicted or you're challenged, good, you know, it should, we should be, because um, that means we're going to be better. We can be better. Uh, so thank you so much for your words, man. Oh man, my, mm. my pleasure. Listen, I'm, y'all helping me too. Yeah, this is this is like that spark. You did say you was going to start some. Um, one of the things I want to tell, I did. We did a seven last words, and for those who aren't familiar with that, like you know, every year um, as we get closer to you know celebrating the the, the resurrection of, mm. of Jesus, um, they do a seven last words service where seven people will preach the what is called the seven last sayings of Jesus, mm. and. We did that. I usually do it every year with a bunch of youth pastors and shout out to the youth pastors network in the DMV. They welcome me. I'm from Pennsylvania originally. Um, you know, uh, Thomas Brackeen, Reverend Akil, Reverend Russ, um, you know, the Bar Jones, these guys welcomed me in. And even though I wasn't from here, made me a part of the family right away. Um, we would do a seven last words as youth pastors. And every once in a while we would bring um, our young people to be a part of it. Um, but I did a seven last words where I let seven of my youth do all of the preaching. And then I sent the video to my pastor mm. and he sent me back the words. And this is where it really counts is because he sent back a message that talked about how proud he was and how awesome it was and how great they did. And I was able to share that with the young people who were, you know, who participated, as well as the adults who helped them and everybody who was in the service. This was a, a regular Friday service. We might have had, you know, a few viewers live on, on Instagram, whatever. But for the pastor of the church to say, hey, I watched it, I enjoyed it, that goes a long way because then when I'm advocating, hey, I got a young person that wants to bring the message on this day, and, you know, that it now makes sense. Because a lot of times our our senior pastors and older pastors, they're operating out of tradition as well as, you know, I'm sorry to say it like this, but out of ignorance of not knowing that it can be done. You know, um, I remember talking with uh, a prior pastor about something I wanted to do. And they said, well, that sounds like a talent show. How is that going to give glory to Jesus? And I was like, well, these are young people and they're using their talents in church and they're using their talents to talk about God. And this will become a memory that they lock onto in regards to something that was a big transition in their life or a big change in their life. And, you know, eventually they got it. But I remember that fight and that battle and understanding that it wasn't personal and it wasn't based on, you know, it just, they didn't know. Like, so sometimes we have to do things that really um, show them as we try to explain it. Yeah. Yeah. That's solid. Jonathan, thank you. Thank you so much for sitting with us. Um, how can people connect with you? Uh, tell us a little bit, maybe a little bit about your books uh, as well, uh, so people can find you and maybe read some of your words. Oh, wow. That's great. So listen, first, um, foremost, it was my honor. I'm grateful y'all are like, you know, I might start a new gang and y'all can be in it. Like, I'm going to make, make y'all, yes. you know, we... We all got to grow beards like boss. Though. We got to get our choice of beards and that, that status. That, I have spiritual envy of your beard. I'm just uh. going to say. But, <laughs> but um, no, I'm grateful to be with y'all. Um, so the one part, and I, you know, I, I, I don't want to drag this out, but I just want everybody to understand why when y'all hear the passion that comes from me when it comes to talking about young people, because I'm, I'm not going to be a youth pastor forever. I know the calling that's on my life. Sure. Um, but I want y'all to understand that when I was 16 years old, the reason why I don't look like a grandfather 
um, is because I had three children before I turned 17. Wow. You got to understand that. When I was 16 years old, I was a full-fledged gang member, a drug dealer. Mm. Um, I was in the streets. I didn't get saved. I didn't know Jesus until I was in my late 20s. And I spent my teenage years in the streets, and then I spent all of my 20s in prison. So when y'all hear me talking about being a mentor and being, you know, all of these things that God, the biggest thing that I would describe for me is I'm a miracle. I'm one of God's miracles. I am somebody who God pulled up and said, I got plans for you and you keep trying to run from them, but hey, I got you. Um, so I, I need y'all to understand that, that if someone would have grabbed a hold of me when I was 14 and already writing and already knowing that God had given me a gift to lead, that I had the ability to talk people and persuade people. If somebody would have said, hey, let me tell you about this Jesus. Let me tell you about how you can use these gifts for the kingdom. I know I would have been the president before Barack. I'm going to say, I would have been Barack to the all. I would have been there first. You know, <laughs> vice president something. I'm just saying there's so many other things that could have happened. So my passion for young people is based on knowing that if they have the right guidance, and even though I empower them, don't misunderstand, that's with the understanding that there's always somebody guiding and mentoring and leading them as they use this new um, empowerment, this new power that they have. So um, I just share that with y'all so that y'all understand that because uh, when I talk about my book, um, I think I, got, I only got two of them here. Um, Are You Sane? Um, this is the book that I wrote when I got out of prison. I did 10 and a half years. Um, this mm. is Changing Who You Are by Changing How You Think. This gives some of my biography, but also a lot of um, self-help motivation in regards to how you can, you know, take what the enemy tried to use as evil and let God turn it to good. Mm. Um, the same judge who sentenced me actually now recommends my book to different wow. um, organizations and things like that. So that's a beautiful thing. Um, and then my wife and I recently wrote, uh, you see the shirt and uh, the book is called One of Them. It's a book of devotions. Mm. Um, what we did is, and this, this is inspired, the first page is dedicated. I told you about the YLC. It's the Youth Leadership Council, past, present, and future. May you continue to embrace the mission to win souls and make disciples. And may you always remain unashamed to be one of them. Uh, mm. We were meeting with some young people. We were talking about see you at the poll. I was challenging them to go pray at their school and pray at their jobs. I was talking to some young adults. And they looked at me and said, well, Rev, that sounds all good, but we don't want to be seen as one of them. And I was like, what? what's wrong with one of them? Which means, yeah, we don't want to be like, so I had to really go in in regards to understanding their point of view, but then challenging them and encouraging them. And so this book is really just a, it's a permission slip. It's a motivational flyer. It's like, this is you being able to recognize that when Jesus said, forgive them, you're one of them. When he said that some of them, they became children of God, you're one of them. When one of them turned around and said, thank you to Jesus for healing them, you're one of them. When Jesus came out and saw the multitude and had compassion on them, you're one of them. So every mm. devotion has a scripture verse that has a them in it. And then we have prayer and challenges. My wife and I, this has been a labor of love. It's not just a book. We got two songs out for it now. So go to mm. oneofthem.org, number one of them.org and you can find everything about us um i appreciate y'all that's my tv infomercial that you allow me to do love it, love to it. And, it. Uh, i got it and <laughs> you have it. a version devotional as well yes, we got a five-day devotional plan on the version bible look this, this stuff kill i'm telling y'all y'all looking at somebody who grew up 
in a neighborhood that was destined to see young black people mm. die before they turned 18. And I have walked mm. in the Holy Land and South America and South Africa, and I even got a Bible app. <laughs> I got my devotional <laughs> plan on the U version Bible app. Mama, I look, it. I made it. <laughs> you made it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah well, you can find it on the Bible a, app as well. Well, we'll link all of that in the description below so that everybody can find it and uh, follow along and purchase the books and everything because we want we want people to get connected with you and what you're doing. And uh, the honor has been all of ours, it, 100%. And so thank you for taking the time and sitting with us and sharing your wisdom and your words and all of the things that you've been um, just journeying through uh, to help us be better, um, which in turn helps our communities be better. So thank you. Hey, thank y'all. Keep doing the great work, man. Free refills on me. Uh, you know, <laughs> Got keep it. it y'all are doing excellent work. Proud of y'all. Hey, awesome. Thank you. Yo, that was an incredible conversation. I am so inspired by Reverend Queen. This is, it was an amazing conversation. Yo, that was an incredible conversation. I am overly inspired, if that's even possible, by Reverend Queen. I am blown away to hear about his heart of ministry and his heart to reach students and see them disciple other students and make an impact in their community. He, he laid it out perfectly for us and, and corrected us and even said like, hey, this isn't secondary discipleship. This is discipleship. And that's why we brought him in. That's why we wanted to have a conversation with him because we knew, we knew, we felt it, that he was going to set us on a course and he would set some things right and uh, be able to inspire us. And I pray and I hope we all do that he inspired you too. Um, maybe there's something that you heard along the way. Um, that you want to hear more about, make sure to reach out to him. We've dropped all of his contact info and in the ways that you can find him uh, in the description below. Um, also, there are, he mentioned a network in the, in, in the episode and in the conversation. There are networks in your area, believe it or not, which means they're filled with youth leaders who want to hang out with you and be an inspiration to you, but not only that, but be inspired by you. If that's you and you don't have a network, we'd love to get you connected with it. Go to our website, links below in the description. Um, and as another thing, if you are, maybe you're listening to this right now on one of the podcast platforms, thanks for listening to us. We're on YouTube now. And if you're on YouTube, guess what? We've, we always started as a podcast. So make sure to subscribe to us on whatever channel, whatever medium you're listening to us uh, and partaking in this. We would love to be connected with you. So reach out to us um, at freerefillspodcast.org, at, at whatever. It's in the description below. Check it out there. Hey, as a reminder, as we peace out of here, Make sure that you're pouring into yourself because the more you pour into yourself, the more you're able to pour out to others. Until next time, peace, blessings.